0: If you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. But first, let me put in a good word for Blueberry Podcasting. I'm a Blueberry affiliate, but that's not the only reason I'm telling you this. I've been using Blueberry Podcasting as my hosting service for my podcast for years, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. They give great customer service, you're in complete control of your own podcast, you can run it from your own website, and it just takes a lot of the work out of podcasting for me. I find for that reason that it's a company that I can get behind 100% and say, you should try this. Try Blueberry. It doesn't require a long-term contract, and it's just a great company, period. And it also has free technical support by email, video, and phone, so you can get a human being there. Isn't that nice? Hi, everyone. Today I have two guests with me. David Bushman, who's the author of five books, two on on true crime, (laughs) why is that so hard to say? Two on true crime and three on pop culture and Mark Givens, the creator and host of the Twin Peaks-centric podcast, Deer Meadow Radio. Together, they have researched and written this book, Murder at Teal's Pond, a really excellent book, I have to say. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you for being here, David and Mark. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you, David.
0: It's my pleasure, believe me. Um, I'm a big fan of Twin Peaks and I really enjoyed your book as well. It was a fascinating look at uh, how this, you know, the inspiration for the show. Um, what uh, Tell us how you met and what led you to collaborate on this
2: book. Mark, go ahead.
1: Uh, I thought you'd go first. Yeah. Okay, I'll go first this time. Um, we usually go back and forth. Um, well, like we were talking a little bit, uh, Debbie, before we got started and you just alluded to, um, we were both big Twin Peaks fans, which, uh, people don't know was a show from the late eighties, early nineties that didn't last very long, but, uh, was very critically acclaimed and had a, a cult following decades later, uh, to be honest, you know, uh, we're not you know, gone to all the Twin Peaks conventions every year, but that when they announced that a new show was coming back, I think both David and I, you know, kind of remembered the the old show and got interested in. Um, and then, like you said, in the intro along different lines, David ended up writing a book called Twin Peaks FAQ. And uh, in my spare time, I I did a, a podcast called Dear Metal Radio, which you guys still check out. Um so for for both of those pro, uh, projects, I think we both encountered this story uh, independently, and we we're both pretty uh, sh- struck by it because uh, in today's internet age, um, anything that has any kind of following, you know, everyone knows all the stories behind Star Wars or Star Trek or whatever. Um, but because I get I think because of that gap, in time, there, there were still a few uh, stones that hadn't been completely explored. It had kind of gone dormant. Um, and this was one of them. Um, how my recollection of it is how we found this story was um, once or twice over the years, the co-creator, Mark Frost, had alluded to it as something that he knew it as a child, um, a, a, a ghost story almost that his grandmother would tell him um, up in upstate New York where he would uh, have summer vacation with his grandparents. Um, and so he just kind of knew it as a ghost story. Was it even a real thing? Was this a real girl or just some, somebody made up a folk story? Um, but he did have a few scant facts. At one point, I think he did go back and research. Um, so he knew a couple things and long story, longest story kind of short, um, we pieced that together and finally, found this was a actually a big deal uh, back in the day. And it was a very interesting case uh, with parallels to Twin Peaks, even though Mark Frost didn't really know all those details. It was just kind of the situation, if you know it, a, a murder of a young, uh, a beautiful young girl. Her body's found washed up on shores in a small town, and there's lots of suspects and all kinds of intrigue. So those are the parallels um, that I guess just kind of happen situationally. So David and I were both uh, very drawn to this story because uh, the, for the same reasons we were drawn to Twin Peaks. And if I recall correctly, I did a, on my podcast, maybe my third episode was about uh, Hazel, the Hazel Drew story. Um, you can go listen to it still. It's, now very dated because we were just uncovering things at the time, and uh, it's a piece of history, but it's it's not a known piece of history. So we had to do a, uh, like a lot of digging of, for this time and era. Um, so anyway, uh, David independently uh, had also, I think, while looking uh, researching for his book, also uncovered this, and I think he just called me. I think he heard my podcast and uh, just. Facebook me or somehow we had a call and that was it. And then we just uh, uh, started looking into it and it it went from there.
0: That is really interesting. Um, What was it like working on this? How much time did you put into research and how did you divide up the work? How did you manage to work together?
2: Um, It took five or six years to, from, um, concept to um, publication. <clears throat> so there was a tremendous amount of research involved. Um, a lot of it, some of it was done online, a lot of it was done um, at the local library in Troy, New York. Um, and then a lot of it was done by uh, talking to people in the neighborhood or trying to track down um, people who were ancestors, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, um, descendants of the of people who were involved in it in one way or another, um, it was really hard. I mean, there was there were no official records <laughs> other than newspaper reports, which were not that reliable because they were always contradicting not only each other but sometimes themselves. So uh, it was really hard from that perspective. We did a lot of interviewing of people up in the neighborhood. Um, we spoke to some. Uh, relatives of, of the victim Hazel Drew. Uh, we, we we made some really good contacts up in the neighborhood of people who connected us with other people. We had roundtable discussions where like ten people would sit around and talk about all the stories that they had heard about Hazel. Um, and um, in ter- terms of working together, I mean, Mark at the time was living in the D.C. area, and I and I live in New York, so. Uh, we did a lot of communicating through um, phone or um, the internet or, um, and, I, um, uh, you know, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a finely demarcated line, um, but there, I guess there was to an extent certain things that like Mark, I know, was really interested in the politics of the era of the time. And he was really interested in uh, the, in tracking down and uh, through ancestry, um, that thing and and you know so 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 i sort of left that to him and and then there were other areas that were of more interest to me um and we just kind of worked it out it was pretty smooth i think it was pretty smooth sound um you know for for the two of us no real i mean we had minor disagreements maybe about things but uh you know we just worked them out
0: What were the areas of particular interest to you? Um, Mark's was political and yours was what?
2: Well, I'm definitely interested in um, crime. Uh, You know, we found some um, uh, cases that I was interested in the crime itself. Um, I was uh, we both Mark and I were both interested in newspapers. I mean, I have a newspaper background. Um, I was a reporter. in the consumer press for a while and then I moved over to the trade press so um, I have I went to journalism school I have that background the newspapers were a really interesting story themselves and they sort of led us to this guy uh, William Clemens, who was uh, a main character um, in the tabloid coverage of the murder and Mark really got into him and um but the, new, the newspaper story, um related crimes or crimes that may have been related, um, those kinds of things. We were both interested in the politics. Um, there were times that uh, only I could go up there. And so I wound up talking to certain people. And then other times when Mark was uh, only able to get up there. So then they we just sort of whatever direction those conversations took us in, that became that person's purview more or less. But we we all we both signed off on everything, um, and um, you know we um, chapters or halves of chapters went back and forth, and with we made suggestions. And um, uh, um, I think that we have different strengths too as as uh, researchers and writers. Um, and I think that we really complemented each other well. I think Mark. Can get can go down rabbit holes without losing his patience better than I can, and I'm kind of like, like paper background. I'm, I'm a little bit more like, well, we have to move on now. So, but those kinds of things work work to our, our advantage, I think.
0: Differing perspectives gives it uh, more diversity, Definitely. as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys kind of complemented each other in a way.
1: I yeah, think yeah. so. Yeah. It, it worked really well. Um, most of the, the time, I forget how many years it was five or six, David said. Um, most of that time was exploratory, uh, not actually writing. I would say, like the last year or so was uh, starting to write. So I think for both of us, that was just more fun than anything. We both kind of have careers doing research and things like that. So this was applying that to something you're really interested in uh it was it was great yeah
0: that's
2: really cool also we also complimented each other because um every time we went up to troy and went somewhere mark would leave something behind like his computer or his wallet or his telephone and i was always there to remind him that he had lost it so the
1: story keeps getting bigger
0: (laughs) yeah oh my goodness um, well, apparently at the time, this uh, particular murder captured nationwide media attention. That was something that really surprised me. Um, what was it about this particular case that would draw so much attention?
1: Um, yeah, I, I go back to what we're talking a little bit about what made Twin Peaks such a good story. So, uh, um, so much mystery, so many unanswered questions, so many suspects. So many red herrings and, um, you know, we could still uh, David probably is maybe done with it, but we could still keep looking at this. Um, If you if you read our book, we thought, you know, we we claim to have solved it. But with Hazel, there's always questions about why and who else was involved and and so forth. Like, we do think we put our fingers on the, the people who did the crime, but. In terms of why, and uh, again, you know the context, and well, then why is she quitting her job? Um, so many unanswered questions um, that you can just keep looking at this. For I mean, we looked at this for five or six years. Uh, I think you had asked earlier about the time commitment, and it would it would vary, you know, when you would have the time. But we were always kind of looking at this. Um, there's was, there was really like a, a, a small team behind this book that we acknowledge, um, you know, locals who were um, equally interested, if not more so, uh, always digging up uh, new leads. Uh, every character, you know, David mentioned Ancestry.com, Newspapers.com, um, where Hazel kind of um, sat in society also, like opened everything up. She came from a lower class background, uh, the country and then in the city, kind of in the lower class. But because of her job um, as a domestic servant, she worked for uh, three very powerful um, prominent politicians and you know, one was a prominent professor as well. Um, so there's all these connections. She's this young, beautiful woman who just got killed and and there's no, obvious um explanation for it even after like you said it was uh intense intensely scrutinized and and uh nation to the whole you know the whole country was kind of following this for at least two or three weeks and they just ended up with we don't know who did it you know and they it's not me and david that is one thing we kind of go back on, and forth on how hard maybe the investigation was trying to find out who did it uh, and if you read our book, we we definitely get into that. Um, For sure, but, but there's yes. a lot of people questioned, and a lot of a lot of people, you know, um, drawn in because uh, another answer to your question is Hazel was uh, sort of this uniquely social being who just seemed to have all these kinds of relationships, uh, and it's like which one of those threads was the one that got her killed and and thrown in the pond.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There yeah. were also were some very tabloidy. Um, it was an era of um, where I mean, not unlike today, uh, where there was um, there was uh, there were tabloids and, and start there there were tabloidy, which is a word I just made up. Um, aspects to this, there were rumors that maybe she had been pregnant. Uh, she maybe she had a secret lover um, and things like that. That I think also um, heightened. Uh, the interest of the media um, at at a time where there were so many papers and, you know, huge battles going on for circulation. Um, So that was part of it, too.
0: That's a great point. Yeah. Um, That was that time period, wasn't it? Um, So uh, how closely do you think uh, Hazel's life uh, was parallel to Laura Palmer's? How much do you think was fictionalized? Any thoughts?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, um uh I think we were surprised by some of the similarities we found. Things like uh Laura had a, a diary and and Hazel had this big trunk of of letters that she kept the original copies of, um, which were discovered um <laughs> during the investigation that not everybody knew about. Um there was that, there was the fact, you know, that they were approximately the same age. They both were young blonde women they both were said to be very beautiful and very charismatic um uh, clearly there are elements of Laura's story uh you know that are way way out there that that there are no uh, similarities to all that you know we never uh Laura had some strange things and some tragic things going on in her life like with her father and her mother and um and possibly some cosmic entity that um, that you know that's mm. just way out there. But I mean, I think it was a kernel of an idea for for Mark Frost, and I think that um, that he didn't even like Mark um, Givens just said before he didn't even. Yeah, I don't think Mark Frost was fully aware of of all of the um, analogies that that we uncovered, um, but you know there there were also um it also two completely different stories in some in some way i mean the small town was similar uh, it was an old lumber town there were things that we found out along the way that were um you know really um struck us because of the similarities but uh it depends what you if if you're defining laura Palmer's, um um you know uh experience or trauma through the lens of what happened to her because of her father and Bob, and and then that—that's where the similarities completely are, are not there.
0: Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Um, kind of creepy and interesting at the same time. <laughs> it's like, 20 uh, years. Yeah, you know,
2: uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in some ways, Laura's. I mean, in some ways, Hazel's. You know, stories look scarier because it's more, more. um, i mean you know there was no bob per se and what's and, you know who i guess it depends on what you think bob is but
1: uh, mm-hmm. there was only
2: bob in the sense that bob as the uh symbol or iteration or personification of man's ability to commit evil deeds that in in you know i think it was um alfred Al- albert in the uh well never live that one down albert in the uh to impeach world who proposed that um, solution to the question of who Bob was. But, um, mm. but you know, uh, Hazel was really killed by a real person and uh, this person got away with it. And, um, you know, we don't know why. And in some cases that's, you know, in some ways that's a much scarier thought.
0: And it, it just strikes me that she's not a celebrity. Um, she could have been could have been anybody at that time yeah. and she never got justice. Nobody ever found the killer. It, it's like that story could have just been buried and nobody would know about it. Yeah. Um, but it happened to hit at a certain time, which is very interesting. Um, what advice would you give to anyone who's interested in writing for a living or collaborating on a book?
1: Oof. I think it's the one with all the books, but um, I guess I'll chip in. Find yourself a bushman and then latch <laughs> yourself on. Um, I think you know what helped get us uh gone. You know, writing is hard. You guys, I'm sure know that. For me, I'm I can be ADD, so just sitting down and doing all that is hard. But in terms of uh this project and getting it launched. Uh, we were lucky to kind of find a unique angle. Um, There's a lot of true, you know, a true crime that we found is, you know, very popular, of course. Um, But to kind of stand out, you need something. Um, So you, I don't know, keep your eyes open. Uh, David and myself have since the book's been published been kind of talked about a couple different projects perhaps and and I think that's what we're looking for like not something exactly like this but something that catches Mm -hmm. people's um interests um something we talked about you know why this was such a good story so in some ways it was you know what we did was find a good story and then you just have you have to kind of present it um so uh yeah and then just collaborating if if that's something you want to try uh that does have challenges find somebody you get along with me and david get along well uh pretty well together um you're going to have to compromise on on certain things so um it, that 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 would probably be a whole other episode maybe just the like I said, uh, most of the time we were doing research and doing field trips and stuff, and uh, yeah, that was that was all great. And then at some point we did have to start putting words on paper, and you know, at first without getting too much into it, our words were different. <laughs> we'll say so you have to, as you can expect. I mean, everyone's uh, bringing different things, so we had to figure that out. Um, but as we also said, that was um, there were strengths from that too because you are getting. Hopefully, the best of uh, both perspectives.
0: Absolutely,
2: collaboration yes, also is a good start. But collaboration is also good because uh, you know writing is very lonely, and also sometimes you, if you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, it becomes easy to get discouraged. And I think that having someone who's counting on you not to get discouraged and to do what you have to do is a huge plus. And I know that 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 in for me, this relationship provided that. And that's why I, you know, I want to do another book with Mark and I think we have found something. And I think that, uh, you know, I would much rather do with him than without. Um, so, but there are definitely, um, challenges to it and writing style is one and, um, and so on. But to me, it's, um, it, you know, if you, if it connects the right way, you're, you're, uh, better off. Um, and, um, in terms of writing in general i think that that's it it's just very very lonely and sometimes uh, you know if if you're not if you don't have the the publishing deal uh, bef- before and you're writing without a, a signed deal at the time that you're writing it's sometimes can be difficult to uh, inspire yourself to keep going but um but um you know if you really believe in in the project Um, and there's so many ways to be published now anyway so you can get your book published so um, but that's I think the main challenge for me is uh, just getting inspired sometimes
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that can be hard Um, so is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up
1: um no go check out our book if you haven't um always asking people it's hard to do that in these kinds of conversations where you want people to go get the book but um we did we do think we solved it um like i said to a degree um so if i'm always looking for feedback on that if people think we're wrong please let us know or um that's always interesting I, I do want to throw out there too. I haven't brought this up with David at least for a while, but um, you mentioned I do have, or I had a podcast, Deer Meadow Radio, um, dearmeadowradio.com. But um, that was a Twin Peaks focused podcast. We have talked over the years about um, maybe using that platform to do something um, with the book. And I've been looking at that again uh, recently. So if people want to check that out I think episode three would be like the old 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 Hazel Drew episode if you're not even uh, that interested in Twin Peaks but um, a way to uh, explore the book a little bit more we 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 had some thoughts on that and I think uh, that might be coming in the near future again I haven't talked to David about that as well I probably need his uh, participation but
2: um, one oh, thing, Debbie, cool. that I would want to add is that um, mm-hmm. uh, you know when we were first shopping this book around, and I think Mark was right that what's you know there is a lot of true crime out there, and what we had that was unique was uh, the the Twin Peaks connection. And I think um, you know, Twin Peaks was back in the zeitgeist then because of the uh, Showtime reboot, but um, you, we did not get or it was not it wasn't the first publisher we went to who said yes. I mean, we got some yeses, including the metabook, which is now synergistic, which is the company that eventually got us the deal with Thomas immersive. But but you know, publishers and agents for for aspiring writers, they say no. and for for like, they they're just it's just another opinion. You should never let what they say um, discourage you because I can tell you that, for example, one woman said to us at a publishing company that we never publish books where the murder is not solved, and which is ludicrous because you know there's Jack the Ripper and there's the the Golden Gate Killer for a long time and the Black
1: Dahlia and and on and on and on. But they have this and like I remember at that meeting, David. I'm like, we're solving it. Just give us another <laughs> six months. <laughs> and
2: that was actually part. of Was actually we liked it better. was unsolved because it gave us this whole rabbit hole to go down and but my point is that uh you should never get discouraged if one agent or one publisher says something to you it's just their opinion they're nine times out of ten going with conventional wisdom the tenth time they're coming from some place of insanity so um (laughs) you 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 know if if you think that you know um you should stick with it if you think you know that you have something that you want to Get out there and you believe in it. Um, don't listen to people who uh who are saying, you know, who are discouraging you.
0: I love so, it. I love it. Thank you so much for saying that. I believe in that totally. Me too. And I just want to thank you guys so much for being here. Um thank you very much. Thanks, Ruby. Um, thank you for sure having thing. Me. And just a reminder that if you'd like to see the bonus episodes that i have with my guests uh just um become a patreon supporter and you can get access to bonus episodes ad free episodes and more and if you uh, would please leave a review for the podcast because that always helps so until next time when our guest will be kathleen Kaska. take care and happy reading